Thanks for joining us for BIV Today from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief here with journalists Kaylee Wooden and Tyler Orton. This podcast is part of our series of interviews with the major party leaders for the 2020 British Columbian election. For this podcast, we welcome John Horgan, the leader of the BC NDP, the MLA for Langford, Juan de Fuca. Thanks a lot for being with us today. Good to be here, Kirk. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's start. Uh, you're uh, you're hearing a lot of this question. Uh, you argued that an election was needed to provide some political stability in the province uh, in the pandemic. Why? Well, it's been three and a half years since the last election, and you know the history full well. There was uh, uncertainty at the beginning of uh, our mandate with the agreement we had with the uh, Green Party caucus. Uh, The Green Party caucus has changed materially since then. Uh, Mr. Weaver has stepped down. Uh, as leader of the party and is now not seeking re-election. Uh, there was instability within the legislature from the beginning, but we all worked together, all parties, to get important work done for British Columbians. But as I looked forward at the challenges we faced, not just on the public health side, but on uh, the economy and making sure that there was continuity dealing with other orders of government, whether they be municipal, federal, uh, I felt that this was not a few-month problem. It was a few year problem and that needed a stable government to go forward. And I take full responsibility for calling the election, but I believe it's never a bad idea to tell British Columbians uh, that these are the challenges. Here are the choices. You decide. I, I think that's the appropriate way forward. And, and I, I certainly will live with the outcome uh, on the 24th of October. How do you overcome, though, the criticism that it was just opportunism? Uh, you sense the weakness with the Greens. You sense perhaps a little disarray with the Liberals. Um, your own numbers are up considerably in the pandemic. That this was just an opening for you as opposed to a real requirement. We're going to be in a pandemic in the spring. We're going to be in a pandemic likely until next fall. Uh, Ms. Firstino had said uh, through the summer that she was not yet ready to endorse the, the budget in February. I looked at the opportunities uh, ahead of us, so the challenges ahead of us, and I felt that British Columbians were in a, a good place. We got the school year started. Our recovery plan had been approved by Treasury Board, approved by Cabinet, and the dollars are flowing out. The, the, the tax breaks, whether it be uh, the PSD remission program, whether it be the tax credits for hiring new, uh, new employees or increasing wages for existing employees, were started in the middle of September. The grant program criteria is in place for small businesses, for tourism. Government is being run uh, by uh, Carol James, uh, the Deputy Premier and Finance Minister, to make sure that the administration of government was underway. It struck me that now is the best time when we had seen a decline in cases. We've seen an uptick in cases, to be sure, but Dr. Henry has been advising all British Columbians, not just me, uh, that this is manageable. We have uh, safeguards in place, contact tracing that's working very effectively. Uh, Hospitalizations are still uh, containable, and we have almost... uh, Uh, full interactions within our communities. So uh, I felt that now was a better time than to wait for the uncertainty of public health uh, uh, going forward. Uh, And again, it's my responsibility. I I grappled with this, Kirk. I I did not come to it lightly. Uh, And uh, we're here now, and British Columbians have got uh, uh, nine more days to determine what choices they want to make, where do they want to go, and who they want to lead them. I think that's never a bad idea to ask people that. Haley? According to a recent survey, more than a quarter of Metro Vancouver businesses are concerned they won't be able to survive the next year under current conditions. How do you and your party intend to support small businesses in BC? 
Well, we put in place in our uh, Stronger BC plan, $300 million in grants. Uh, we talked at the start of the summer, or pardon me, at the start of the pandemic. I put together an economic recovery task force to give us immediate advice on the challenges they were seeing in the economy. Uh, the head of the BC Federation of Labour, uh, the head of the BC Business Council, uh, boards of trade in Surrey and Vancouver, as well as the, the uh, CEO of uh, the uh, Chamber of Commerce, as well as Indigenous groups and not-for-profits, a, a broad cross-section. Uh, there were many groups that said, hey, we should be there too. But those discussions were going on at the ministerial level. Uh, Selena Robinson, for example, was engaging with municipalities weekly, uh, all municipalities, uh, going through the regional groups. Uh, we were talking through uh, small business tourism culture with the tourism sector. Uh, Walt Judas, uh, as the umbrella leader of all of that, uh, brought forward suggestions. It was a large ask. Uh, we met half the ask, and of course, they wanted a, a, a task force to be put in place. That's happened. That the dialogue can happen within those uh, those businesses, and then they'll come back to government. We put six to seven billion dollars, six point five billion dollars into the budget between budgets, unprecedented in BC history because of the magnitude of the challenge. And and it's not, as you know, just here. It's a, it's across Canada. It's around the world. And as a small, open economy, we need to count on other economies bouncing back so that we can continue to grow. On the tourism side, uh, which, uh, which is critical to the Lower Mainland and of course all of BC, we closed our borders. We said to the, the, tour, the uh, cruise ship business, you can't come here. We've set the YVR is, uh, is a ghost town. These are not policy decisions. These are public health decisions that are supported by overwhelming numbers of British Columbians. And so we need to make sure, in my opinion, uh, the, the proposal of Mr. Wilkinson to blow a hole in the budget, $8 billion this year and uh, additional dollars next year, restricts our ability, government's ability, to put in place grant programs to fill these gaps going forward. And I think that we've got a good start uh, it's not perfect. Uh, some of the criteria, for example, on the grant programs needs to be amended. Uh, as I say, Minister James is still the Minister of Finance. She's not seeking re-election. She's overseeing the administration of, of the public service. And I'm confident that those amendments are being made to meet the needs of communities. And if it's not enough money, we'll be able to address that in November, December, and into January before the February budget. Tyler? You mentioned we're off to a good start with regards to, say, the tourism sector, but that, along with hospitality, amongst the hardest hit sectors during this current economy, what is going to be the key to the long-term survival of both the hospitality and tourism sectors here in British Columbia? Well, we need to uh, have more people coming to British Columbia. Uh, conferences have been uh, canceled. Uh, our our uh, convention centers lay uh, dormant. The casino sector is not yet uh, in a position from public health orders to open up. And it just goes on and on. Uh, I am uh, at the, uh, the Pinnacle Hotel. Uh, we have uh, the whole 19th floor, as you can see behind me. Uh, I know that the Pinnacle uh, uh, management's very happy that we're here. Uh, and so there's going to be bits and pieces of successes. But uh, what we're going to try to do with displaced workers, uh, putting the businesses aside, is uh, invest in more public health care. And that means 7,000 jobs in long-term care to fill the, the void that was created by previous government decisions. That's something that all British Columbians endorse because of the horrific consequences COVID-19 has presented to us when it comes to our long-term care facilities and how they've been operating over the past 20 years. So those are 7,000 jobs that hospitality workers may well be able to transition into. That was part of the plan. But uh, we're not going to see tourism turn around until we have more people 
coming to British Columbia. And those are federal decisions on the borders. Uh, that's been a very positive working relationship, I must say. Uh, uh, the federal government and, and other provinces and I have been working collaboratively on a range of issues that I think have helped stabilize uh, during the front end of COVID. And we're going to continue to need to do way more work uh, going forward. But there's no magic solutions. I appreciate the three of you absolutely know that. But I think it's important for the listeners and those who will read the stories that flow from this, that every effort's being made to focus on people, businesses, and communities. And, and that was represented in uh, our the, putting more money in to make sure we could fix the fare box challenges with TransLink and BC Transit and BC Ferries. Absolutely critical to our economic uh, well-being. Those entities needed to be kept whole, and we were able to, to get a good chunk of money that we send to Ottawa coming back uh, to help us out in that regard. So again, collaboration, cooperation, and focus on positive outcomes for people, businesses, and communities. Haley? It's been argued that this pandemic has disproportionately impacted women. How would you encourage and support the equal participation of women and other groups in the economy? Yeah, very good question. It's, it's, been, it's a fact. Women have been disproportionately affected uh, by the pandemic. Uh, and one of the elements that has, has uh, been glaringly apparent to all British Columbians is in order for full participation in the economy pre-COVID, in COVID and post-COVID, is making sure we have robust childcare programs in place so that all members of families can fully participate in the economy. I've been advocating that uh, for years. Uh, Kirk, I sat in your office before the last election and said childcare is the issue and childcare is going to be our focus. And now I don't think there's a person in British Columbia that doesn't understand the economic benefits of a robust, affordable, accessible childcare program. So one way we uh, try to encourage full participation in the economy is to provide those services. We also need to make sure that training and retraining opportunities are available to everyone. And we're, uh, we announced earlier in the campaign, 2,000 more spaces for science, tech, uh, engineering, and math, the STEM uh, sector in, in our post-secondary institutions so that we can train and retrain the next generation of scientists and engineers that will unlock the challenges of climate change and continue to have uh, a robust tech uh, engineering and uh, science sector here in British Columbia. Yeah. That has right. to include women. Yeah, We're disproportionately underrepresented in that area as well. Okay. Well, obviously over the summer, we saw the tangible impacts of climate change hit British Columbia, but we're also trying to revive our economy. We base a lot of that on the health of the resources sector. My question for you, though, in your opinion, is oil dead? Uh, well, we could debate that all day. Uh, I was for a long period of time the energy critic for the official opposition. Uh, I know that my staff are, are, are terrified that I'm going to geek out here on this question and go on for longer than I need to. Uh, oil is not uh, an important commodity to our resource sector. It's an important co uh, component of our international economy, to be sure. Uh, the Kinder Morgan or Trans Mountain Pipeline is vital to Alberta's needs. We are in natural gas a producing province and we were able as a government to land the largest private sector investment in BC history by sharpening our pencils, working with LNG Canada to, to bridge the last few dollars uh, that was uh, separating uh, British Columbia from being competitive with other jurisdictions. So I believe that uh, the industry is making a $41 billion investment in British Columbia for natural gas, liquefying it and sending it to other markets. That tells me that uh, uh, private sector companies don't make investments like that uh, to sunset industries. And I believe that we are well-placed 
to continue to meet our climate objectives, which are, are the leading in the continent. Again, I give full credit to Dr. Weaver and the Green Caucus for working with us to put in place the plan, building on, quite frankly, the work that the Liberals used to do. They walked away from it for reasons that I'll let them explain uh, at, uh, in the 2011-2012 period. But British Columbians are, are insistent that we do our part here in BC. We have a competitive advantage on uh, clean, green electricity. Uh, we are building new uh, transportation infrastructure. We're going out to Arbutus on Broadway. Uh, we announced that with the, another $9 billion in our capital plan as part of our platform that we're going to take SkyTrain all the way to Langley. Uh, so I believe that uh, we are going to be trying to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels, but uh, I, I can't... Uh, I won't pronounce on whether it's uh, well or not. I'll leave that to uh, other experts. But I do know that we worked hard to stabilize our industrial sector, a key part of that being natural gas. Now, uh, the mining industry is, again, critically important to us. Forestry, I hope, will come up uh, because I've got a whole bunch to say on that as well. Well, cognizant of your time, Mr. Horgan, uh, one last question. Then uh, We're moving through this phase of spending to support people in businesses. And I think there's been very little dispute about the necessity for that. At some point though, that is going to subside. How do you think a government will need to go about paying for all of this? Well, uh, again, British Columbia is very fortunate. Uh, we have the, uh, the lowest debt to GDP ratio in the country uh, in February. Uh, lowest unemployment, fastest growth projections over the next three years, balanced budgets, uh, creating new services for people on the childcare front and in, in other areas, building infrastructure. So we were in a, a, a privileged place in February. None of that matters now, and we are where we are, and we are adding additional um, mountains of debts, and will be, I believe, for the foreseeable future. But we are in a good position, and, and not unlike the Marshall Plan or any other historic investment in reestablishing equilibrium in the economy, whether it be domestically here in BC and Canada or internationally, it's going to require an extraordinary effort. And, and I'm hopeful that the uh, events in the United States uh, will stabilize in the weeks ahead, and we can start to have a recovery, an international recovery that focuses on addressing the public health crisis, then moving into the challenges that creates for our economic well-being in terms of businesses, uh, workers, and communities. And the debt challenge will be one that we will all be having to collectively answer for. I don't, I, I absolutely reject the notion that we should be uh, cautious in our spending. I don't suggest we should be reckless, but the challenges are, are profound and families can't wait for us to decide whether or not this is the right way forward. I think that we're on a good wicket right now and, and we need to keep pressing to make sure we're, we're meeting the needs of people and the economy. The Prime Minister has indicated that he doesn't think there'll be necessary, uh, taxes of necessity uh, to pay for all of this down the road. Do you think we'll need more taxes? Well, again, uh, it's premature. I'm certainly not, I'm not pro proposing any taxes in this, uh, this platform. We will meet our, cl our climate targets with an increase in the carbon tax to meet the federal mandate. We've suspended the carbon tax this year and into next year. Uh, that will lead to another $10 a ton uh, to meet the target of $50 a ton by 2022. So we're going to continue to meet that target, but we have no, no plans to increase taxes in this, in this upcoming mandate. But your question is valid, Kirk. I, don't, I can't answer it until we see uh, how well we do through the, through, through the winter and into the fall. Uh, the February budget, I think, will illustrate the, the trend and where we're going. Uh, but we need to have a lot of confidence in other, our trading partners need to be prepared to buy our goods. 
If they're not, uh, then we're going to have a challenge. We need to be able to have some confidence so we can open our borders so that our tourism industry can rebound. All of these things are predicated on activities in other places. And I know British Columbians would like to think that we have the ability in our five million souls and our small open economy in the, on the north uh, of the Pacific Ocean to, in, uh, to dictate the economic trends internationally. We have commodities, we have uh, skilled workers, we have extraordinary talents, and some sectors will come back. The film industry is a good example. Uh, Hollywood looks to us, they look to our success uh, on the COVID front, uh, they're put, bringing more and more productions here, buying more space to, to produce those productions. So there's a lot of positives within the, uh, the pandemic, but I can't predict uh, the outcomes for tourism. I can't predict the outcomes for our industrial sector if no one's going to buy our goods. Mr. Horgan, thanks for the generosity of your time today. Not at all. I appreciate talking to the three of you. Uh, best of luck to all of you. Stay safe. And early voting starts today, if you haven't done that already. Our series is also going to feature interviews with the Green Party of British Columbia leader Sonia Personnel and Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson. And a reminder from us, as Mr. Horgan puts it here at VIB, no matter your preference, no matter if you vote in person or by mail, please vote. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks for joining us.